This is Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. Brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. I think they're hilarious, so I don't want to say I want to go to the box, but uh, you know, maybe there'll be a confrontation there that's pretty funny. I like you, but you've gone too far. Show a little glass. If the glass wasn't there, would you do it? I don't think so. We get some chuckles on the bench when we look over and we see them, uh, you know, upside down on the glass. They're pretty comedic and, and uh, it's pretty funny. We simply have had enough of looking at the rear ends and their crotches. They've been more than a pain in the neck to almost every team that has played here. Smart enough. You look like jerks. They're good guys. Don't be mean. Be green. Son of a bitch. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Green Men Radio right here on Sportsnet 650 and all your podcasting apps, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you can find us. Welcome to another edition. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan along for the ride. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, yeah, it's been a, we've had about a month off now. It's, it's it, been a nice little vacay. It was a nice, but we are back the next three Wednesdays in a row. Right here on Sportsnet 650, Excited. we got yeah. Green Man Radio on tap. Mm-hmm. And a heck of a lot of it. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a grind. Uh, looking back, what have we done? We've probably had a couple spans where we've had like two episodes a month or something. But yeah, three in a row. Can they do it? Everyone wants to know, and I think they can. You know how everyone kind of gets like really drunk over the holidays and that is a bunch of regrets and they do like silver January? Yeah. I have a regret that we didn't do enough Green Man Radio in the December over the holidays. So we're going all in on January. The next mm-hmm. three weeks, mm-hmm. you guys are stuck with us. We have a couple of fantastic guests lined up for today's show. We do. Uh, we like this is this is unreal to start the year to start 2020. We've got Ed Jovanovsky right off the top. Are you kidding and me? Then, it's yeah. Jovo Cup. Jovo Cup, baby. One of my fa- like that was the West Coast Express era, right in that time frame where like I was all in on the Canucks. Yeah, I, I still am, but like this was like I'm not missing a second of hockey. King of the blue line. In my mind, a lot of people might side with maybe Matthias Olin, but King of the Blue Line, uh, I, I, I love Jovo all the way. Yeah, 55. And then we have the one and only Mayday himself, Brad May, is coming on right after that. So at 9 o'clock, Brad May joining us. That one I am really looking forward to. We've had a couple of cool experiences with him in our Green Man days. We've 8 got o'clock. The, hmm? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock? Yeah. Oh, Right. <laughs> it's for the, uh, the you're, not, you're not doing sober January are you no I'm not it's yeah. for the uh, we're doing the, the mountain time zones that's that's fair yeah that's, you didn't let me finish yeah sorry 9 o'clock mountain time zones <laughs> 8 o'clock pacific time zones we've each had a couple slip ups because I think I've had three voice cracks since we've gone on the air which is pretty bad because we're only a few minutes in here but uh, I'm still I'm fighting a little bit of a cold here. I'm under the weather. Was which, it from the partying over the holiday season? It was. And for a lot of people, like it, you know, gives them congestion. For me, it turns me into like a 14 year old boy, and the voice just cracks nonstop. That's thrilling for you. <laughs> it's, it's something. Yeah. All right. So if you're tuning in right now and you're like, "What the hell is going on? Who are these guys?" If you've never heard of us before, again, as I mentioned, Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan, and we many years ago were the two idiots in green spandex who would sit beside the penalty box at the Canuck games and antagonize the opponents. We retired a few years back, and then we kind of got a little nostalgic because this is the 10 year anniversary of our very first game. It just passed by a few weeks ago. And so we said, you know what? We need to bring it back and discuss the memories and interview some of our favorite players growing up. And Sportsnet 650, the boss, Greg McEwen, said, you know what? 
you two idiots, you deserve a radio show. <laughs> and he's been regretting it ever since, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but no, it, it, it's been an awesome run so far. We've had some fantastic guests on here. And the beauty of it is, you know, a lot a lot of shows, you know, they, you know they'll bring on like kind of the, the hot name of the week sort of thing. They'll bring in, you know, this guy just got a hat trick last night. Let's bring him in. But we've been talking to the gems that, that we've always wanted to chat with. We had Scotty Walker on a couple weeks ago. That was he was one of my idols growing up. Alex Ald, one of the great goalies, uh, who just, he didn't really get the full shake. You know, he no. kind of came in, he, he saw a little bit of daylight with the Canucks, and then he was out before he knew it. But uh, some great stories out of him a few weeks back. Uh, it's been a great start. We had JT Miller on the first episode. It's been a really cool glimpse, a little peek behind the curtain of all the different Canuck eras, right? We, we went all the way back into the 90s. We're going to do that with Brad May today. And then all the way up until the current generation, like you mentioned, JT Miller, we got him right out of the gates. So it's really cool. And we have a couple more great episodes on tap for the rest of January and right into April as the Canucks eventually make their playoff run. Because I think this might be the year. I'm changing my tune. This this could absolutely be the year. But uh, again, like it's we're in Vancouver here. got to knock on wood. You know, we've never been the guys that planned the parade after game one putting the ticker tape out on Robson Street. That's not us. But a lot of people in the city, they love to get a little bit too far ahead of themselves. So let's just pull it back. You know, the Canucks have had some nice runs throughout the year, but let's just let's just hang on here, all right? It's early January. Let's check ourselves at the door. All right. So this is Green Man Radio Sportsnet 650, powered by Pastime Sports and Games, their new store in Metro Town. Great store. Go check it out. Tons of sports memorabilia there. I know all those kids got Christmas uh presents and gifts and money from their parents. I always got money from my grandparents because they lived in Ontario. And so I would immediately run to the closest hockey card shop. Oh, absolutely. So that's, I think that's what I would do if I still had grandparents sending me money instead of just saying like, stop freeloading off of us. (laughs) You're 30 years old. You need to grow up. Yeah. And, and, and cards are making a hell of a comeback. Like, which I'm, I'm stoked to see because we had all of these great cards, these upper decks, all these things that we kept in giant binders. And then, like, early 2000s, I guess it was probably, like, maybe, like, when eBay you know, like hit its stride or yeah. something and everyone just started trading online. They, they hit a bit of a slide, but it's coming back in a huge way. So it's great to see. Uh, and also, we, let's help our candidacy here. I was going to say, I'm not sure if we're allowed to say this, but let's do it anyways. Yeah, let, let's toss it out there. We, we've been in talks to, to, to maybe get a card out there. So A green man upper deck card. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll cut up some old green man suits and... You would, could you imagine? Get the <laughs> little piece the of fabric from Sully's crotch. used material. Come on. <laughs> Unwashed. It'll smell horrible. This it'll ruin a... all the other hockey cards in the pack. Yeah. Perhaps some fried chicken stains on there. This is a million dollar idea. So Upper Decks dabbled with the idea before, but recently they've kind of circled back and said, you know what? I think it'd be kind of a fun retro thing. Like you said, 10 year anniversary. We're working on it. I got the suits. We can make it happen. We're working on it. Like the, that's the thing that we only have a few suits. So if we decide, this is the thing. If we decide, okay, let's do the card. That might be it because we don't have any more suits. So this is true. Yeah, but it would be one hell of a way to cap it off. And it's a great way to never have to go into the suit again. I mean, not that I yeah. don't enjoy it, but yeah, I mean, you can't see out of that thing. It smells bad at this point. It's ten years old. And then we could do like one of my favorite parts of this is when we would do an autograph because like I I I grew up like always wanted to be the guy that was signing things. And so when people ask for an autograph, which I think is crazy because I'm a guy that wears spandex, but it's always appreciated. I would always write like you know, stay in school, don't do drugs. See, there's another voice crack. Um, and yeah, <laughs> drugs was a trigger word for you. <laughs> 
I'm slipping. I'm slipping. Yeah. So it uh, that that was you know. So it'd be nice to have that opportunity again to to come up with some crap again and and write some things on cards. Yeah. Did you see uh, what's kind of been kicking around on Twitter the last few days? Somebody, I think they work for uh, Gizmodo or something like that, a blog website. But they tweeted, uh, tweet something about yourself that uh, would sound like a lie, but is actually true. Did you see what I posted on the Green Man Twitter account? I missed that. All right. So I'll throw it to you. I know I'm putting you on the spot. But what would be something that you would tweet from the Green Man Twitter account that sounds like a lie, but is real? An experience that happened to us. Oh, that happened to us. Yes. Okay. I was was about to get into a personal thing there. Um, That happened to the Green Men that sounds like a lie, but is actually true. Uh, Um, I'll let you stall for a second. And what I ended up tweeting from the Green Men account is that the Prime Minister asked to meet us and wanted a photo. That's that, true. That sounds like a lie. True story, man. Uh, and then we had a sweet police escort in the city of Boston. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a lie. I I was just going to tweet, I'm the green man. Because <laughs> that does sound like a lie if you it tell does. people out of the suit. It absolutely does. Yeah, you know what? Leave that one with me. Like that. That's pretty good, though. If we could put that out, let's keep that going. If you're on Twitter, by all means, tag us in there at the green men. We'd love to know what people would think that's a lie about you. Uh, yeah, that could be pretty good. We can get on to something pretty hot here. Yeah, we love feedback on this show about anything. Shoot us a question, shoot us a note. Uh, we want to get you guys involved with everything on Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650. If you want to tag us or tweet us, it is at the Green Men, at Adam Forsyth, and at Sulla Vancouver on Twitter. Uh, let's let's circle back to the holidays, buddy, because I know that this is the first one with uh, little baby Mac, your, your newborn, at the first Christmas. Did you survive? Because I, I imagine that was just chaos at the the Sullivan household. It was insanity. It was absolute insanity. And anybody out there with a newborn, I'm sure you can relate. Over the holidays, you would think having a baby, people would come to you. But no, that is not the case. We had to do the whole Lower Mainland Circuit. My wife and I, we've done it for the last five years. Uh, Out to White Rock, out to UBC, over to North Vancouver, uh, friends in Maple Ridge, going to Port Moody. It's just... I, I love it. I mean, you know, the holidays, they're a time for being with the ones you love, being together, all the family, all the gifts, the giving, the spirits. It's lovely. It's beautiful. But come on. Throw me a freaking bone here. Somebody come to me in Port Coquitlam. <laughs> Ridiculous. But feel, it, was, it was great. I feel like this might be a precursor to one of my favorite segments on the show. It is time for the Yuck Yucks Vancouver Earring of Grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No. You're going to hear about it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. This is the airing of grievances brought to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. To see which comics are on their way to the comedy club, check them out across social media at Yuck Yucks Van or online anytime at yuckyucks.com. All right, that was that was a good call segue. While I'm a little hot on the throttle here, it's time to throw you it were in getting, there. You were getting heated up. I was. You could see it in my face. Uh, but first, before we get to that, just announced, Melissa Villasenor will be on the Yuck Yuck stage as part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Fest from February 13th to 15th. That's three shows coming at you. They are on the Yuck Yucks main stage. For more info, yuckyucks.com slash Vancouver. Find them on the social streams at Yuck Yucks Van for more info. Melissa Villasenor, great impersonations. Saturday Night Live alumni, there you go. All right, let's get into this. Now sit back, buckle yourself in, because this is... This is a bit of a heated one. I was thinking about it over the holiday season. This occurred to me. Something that seems like a no-brainer. I think 
but I'd like to implement into society, and I'm working it into my candidacy, my platform for Port Coquitlam mayor. If you're looking to vote for me, I don't know when the next election is, but I'm making damn sure that this is first and foremost on that platinum platinum platform. But I'm going platinum with this. Let me tell you. That's where we're at. You're red in the face. <laughs> I am very upset. All right. Now, my... As mentioned, my, my wife and I, we did the usual Christmas run around the past month, going to the in-laws, the siblings, the aunts, the uncles, yada, yada. We have a six-month-old baby. Now, for me, the time that I get to sit back and de-stress and relax, and I'm not taking anything away from my wife. She needs the time, too. I get it. It's a full-time job raising this kid. But I have five to ten minutes each morning where I can just sit back and relax. And everyone out there knows what I'm talking about. There's a room in the house where you get to sit back and you get to take five or ten minutes. But it just, I, I, was getting, I was getting chirped at from behind the door. We need to get there on time. My wife, as much as I love her, she's the kind of person that night, she needs to be there on time. If we say we're going to be there at this time, we need to be there then. I'm more of a guy that has a, you know, a five or ten minute bubble around that time. My friends have dubbed it Sullivan time, and that's fine. That's okay. It's a different time also, zone for the Also, five Sullivans. to ten is very generous. It's <laughs> yeah, well, 30 to 60 minutes at least. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But anyhow, and so it's hard to get in that zone. It's hard to de-stress in those crucial moments when you so seriously, seriously need to. So what I'm proposing, you have this on your windows. Every, no one's going to buy a place without double-pane windows these days. The double-pane bathroom door. So when you go in, I'm talking like a fridge at a restaurant. You know, the freezer door with a little pop-out lock. So you go in there, it's dead silent. Some, you know, people can see you're in there. Maybe a light goes off on the outside. I don't know. You put a tie on the door or something like that. But the double pane, no sound gets in. And it's a win-win for the people outside. No sound gets out. It's brilliant. And that is my grievance. Okay. My area of grievances is that you just wasted two minutes of everybody's time. <laughs> That's a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. Okay. No. <laughs> Take it to the Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, whatever country you're living in. Oh, oh you watch me, buddy. Kevin O'Leary, he wants those five or ten minutes. I guarantee it. Uh, I, okay. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, while you were on your golden throne in your, your fancy house... Were you thinking about the NHL All-Star Game? Because a couple of Canucks are headed there this well, in a couple of weeks and potentially a third. So you got Elias Pettersson gets into the game for the second time. Jacob Markstrom will be an injury replacement, taking over for Marc-Andre Fleury. And then Quinn Hughes rock the vote, the last man vote, as everyone is, uh, we're, we're in on this. I want, get, get Quinn in the game. Mm -hmm. The young kid needs to be there, the super rookie, so uh, he can you can vote up to 10 times. And I, I really want him to get into the game because I think three-on-three three format, Pedersen, Markstrom, and Nett, and then Hughes, that'd be so much fun to watch. I love the All-Star game. I know people kind of rip on it, but I think it's like it connects what we did as green men. Like, it's about the fans. Yeah. Right? And I enjoyed it. We're, we're not we're, – we're, we're done with the bathroom segment. I'm moving I feel, on I so like quickly on you, that. Yeah, you steered the ship very quickly. There wasn't even a response. It was just, we're talking about something else. Now. I am watching the listenership right now <laughs> on like a stock ticker, and it has plummeted quicker than yeah. Enron. That's a reference for all you 90s kids out there. Okay. All right. I, that's fair. Okay. Well, you, you thought about it. You turned the ship. All right. I support it. 
no, I, I'm with you, buddy. Uh, the, these these vote-in things, I love how the NHL has gone in this direction. Although I will admit, I do miss the, you know, you go to the game and you take the, the little pamphlet with yeah, the pen cool. and you, you poke it out. I miss that. I wonder who's counting those things. There must have been millions of those. But anyways, um, I, I love it. And, and of course, I mean, get, get on there, you know, get Quinn in the game. And it takes me back a little bit. I mean, thinking about the smaller defenseman, Rory Fitzpatrick, he was the first to get that vote in, the fan vote in, and he decided not to do it. And looking back, I mean, the John Scott who got voted in as a, you know, as a joke, sure, he'll admit it. But it turned out to be one of like the stories of the year. It was one of the most watched All-Star games in yeah. recent memory. It was fantastic. Not to say Rory Fitzpatrick would have pulled that kind of crowd in, but... Well, they also rigged it. He didn't get voted in. No. Like, he clearly was going to get the votes, and the NHL yeah. was just like, oh, no, he lost by 5,000 votes. They just made it up. <laughs> they just made up a number. But it's the power of the people. I love it. And if we can get Quinn in the game, if we can get a third blue jersey out there uh, supporting the Canucks, absolutely get all over that. Very quickly, we have some breaking news. Hmm? The Canucks announcing today that there will not be a super skills this year. Oh. What's the deal? Yeah. Uh, I, it's like the family affordable. I could never. I. That's true. I did not have the privilege. Uh, I did not have the silver spoon mm-hmm. of the Sullivan household. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. Just, <laughs> I just think it's easy to rally up like that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, there was no chance my family could afford Canuck tickets. So every year it was the super skills. And I yeah, think yeah. It, it, even now more so that families can't afford it. So it's unfortunate. Apparently there's scheduling conflicts. So as a result, no super skills for the Canucks this year. But did I, you go growing up? I, I did go to a couple. I never really got behind the super skills. It's because like, you went to every Canuck game. No, okay. Can we, <laughs> I, I'm going to go back to talking about the bathrooms here if you don't watch it. No, the, the thing with the super skills is I went to the All-Star game when it was here in 1998, and I watched the super skills. And, I mean, you got Ziggy Palfy out there and stuff, Gretzky. And these guys are actually trying to strut their stuff and show who's best. And I was, you know, with the Canuck one, it was always just a, a fun gag and like a big joke. And, and it was fun for the whole family. You're not wrong. It was a great time. And especially if you can't get down there to watch a game, it's a great way to go down in an inexpensive way um, and check out these players, you know, firsthand. So it's a pretty cool thing. But I don't think they take it seriously. And that's what kills me because I want to know who has the hardest shot. And we never got to the bottom of it. So that's my take. I, I don't know. It, I, it, it should still be going. But if we're bringing that back... Bring back the Canucks Family Carnival because that was fantastic. That was also pretty solid. I wrestled. Well, not I don't know if you'd call it wrestle, but I put on like the fat sumo suit. Yep. And I went against Gino Ochick when I was like nine years old. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got destroyed. I rode a carousel with Dana Merzen. <laughs> <laughs> and the I, pylon. I remember this. It like, you know, like PTSD, pro, like, you know, I, you have, I have you PTSD. Have PTSD. From, I think I was like seven or eight years old. And I was so confident. I'm like a huge Canuck fan. And I went over and I was like, it was like the little like carousel ride you get like in a mall. Like it has like four seats. It's really small. And like he looked miserable. And I'm like, I want his autograph. This is amazing. Yeah. So my parents are like, all right, I guess go for it. Even though it's weird that you're going on this ride with this grown man. And I went over there. I'm like, Dave, I'm a huge fan. And he looks at me. He's like, it's Dana. Like, oh, oh boy. That broke oh. a seven-year-old's heart. That's a tough one. That's that. So you thought it was it was Babbage? No, I knew it was Dana Merz, and oh, I just, just a seven year old Adam Forsythe panicked. I said Dave, and he didn't play it off. And I remember that like it was yesterday. I've and then been you had to go up in the in the Ferris wheel with them, or yeah, I've been yeah. in counseling for twenty two years <laughs> because of that moment. That's a tough one. But I bounced back because I got Mike Sillinger's autograph in the. Ooh, yeah, that was nice. Get he was a good guy. Yeah, not yeah. bad. I was actually featured 
And I'll try and find this clip somewhere. I was in the commercial for the Canucks Family Carnival because it was me chucking a ball for like one second and hitting it on the nose and dunking Dave Babbage. Dave Babbage. Yeah. So I was in it for all of like two seconds. That was my claim to fame. All right. Well, those are a couple of old school former Canucks. And we're going to talk to a couple later in the show. Brad May and Ed Jovanovsky on tap. Jovo just a few minutes away. Brad May coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. I cannot wait for it. You are listening to Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. It is Green Men Radio, powered by Pastime Sports. Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan continues on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. You got it locked on Sportsnet 650. Green Man Radio also available on iTunes and Spotify. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. Thank you for joining us tonight. And in just a couple of minutes, we got a great interview with a former Canuck defensive legend, Ed Jovanoski. One of the very first jerseys I ever got. And it was customized, which usually is a jersey foul, but it's got the A on the front. 55 on the back, Jovo Cop up top. Jovo Cop. I got the Jovo Cop jersey. I've got to be one of the very few, if not the only one, with a full-stitched white home Jovo Cop. Do you still have that thing kicking around? I have it. I Stupidly, I was at a Canuck practice, and I got like the team to sign the front of it, yeah. which not a bad idea, but then I got like some chocolate on it somehow. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> chocolate. I got some chocolate on the jersey. So now, like, can I wash it, or the signature's going to come off? I've been debating this for the last 10 years. So <laughs> It's deep. Maybe we'll get into that with Ed Jovanovsky and see what's up. But I'm really looking forward to this interview. He, I'm sure he's just going to be chock full of stories. What a crazy career. Over 1,000 NHL games, uh, the Canucks, the Coyotes, everywhere. World Junior Gold, Olympic Gold. We'll get to all of that and more. Again, Green Man Radio, Sportsnet 650, powered by Pastime Sports. I say we get into it. Let's go. Let's talk to Jovo. All right, sit back because our next guest's resume is absolutely stacked. A Canucks defensive legend with the golden touch. He won gold with Canada at the 95 World Juniors, the 2004 World Cup, and the 2002 Salt Lake City Winter Olympics, in which he assisted on the game-winning goal. The Florida Panthers took him first overall in 1994. He then went with them to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1996 before coming over to Vancouver as part of the Pavel Bure trade and the Jovo Cup. Quickly endeared himself to the team and the fans. He was named the team's best D-man. Three years running, led the decor in scoring four years straight. After Vancouver, he enjoyed successful stints with the Coyotes and again with the Florida Panthers before hanging them up in 2015 with over 1,000 games played. And of course, he got that sweet, shiny silver stick for doing so. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Ed Jovanovsky. That's quite the uh, quite the intro. That's qu- it's a quite a laundry list of accomplishments. It was. <laughs> I said we weren't going to list a lot of them, but I think we hit the nail on the head with quite a few there. That was uh, nicely done, buddy. Um, so yeah, why why don't we uh, why don't we dive right in though? So this is this is Green Men Radio. Uh, I was Sully in the green suit, Forza uh, in the lighter green spandex, and we met you in 2011. We were invited down to the uh, the UFC when it was in town. And randomly, we were sitting right next to you and, uh, and a buddy of yours. I think you played for the Brewers or, or something like that. And, uh, I mean, which one? Did that, did that completely ruin your night, sitting next to two idiots in green spandex? <laughs> no, but you, you guys uh, you guys done a good job, I tell you. You know, when we first came on the scene, it was like, wow. 
but um yeah that was a, that was a pretty good uh pr- pretty good weekend i was living in phoenix at the time came with my buddy over to see uh see some ufc back to vancouver it was a great town it was always good uh to come back to that city yeah you guys were you guys were harmless it was good <laughs> I'm sure it was a good night. They're like, yeah, we're going to put you front row, celebrity row. We're going to get up on the big screen. Everyone's going to cheer on. Oh, and by the way, you have to sit next to two 20-somethings wearing tight green spandex. So apologies for that. But, uh, yeah, you were a good sport about it. Well, let's jump into your career, Ed, because uh, like you said, we just list off all those accomplishments. You have had a lot of experience around the NHL and on and off the ice. Uh, let's start at the beginning, though, with the with the Florida Panthers. You were the first overall pick, and I was kind of going back and reading about it, and apparently Radic Bonk was kind of ranked ahead of you by the scouts most of the season and then the Panthers jump up and they take you number one. Did you know you were going to go first overall? No, you know what? And I think back, back then, 94, 92, 93, kind of getting scouted. I mean, you're, you're on the list, but, um, you know, at the draft, certainly didn't know I was going number one. Um, there was, you know, that speculation, uh, you know, of being the number one pick. So I kind of, just kind of leaned on that and wherever I went, I went, but, um, I only interviewed actually that year with Florida, um, Ottawa and, um, and Anaheim, you know, so I didn't have many interviews. So, uh, I, I figured it was probably going to be going to, to, you know, one of those three spots, but, uh, listen, it was, um, you know, from starting hockey at the age of 11 to uh, I wasn't quite 18 yet when the draft happened. Uh, it just happened so quick, and it was it was surreal. Um, so it was an unbelievable feeling. I think that's something that never taken away from you being, you know, selected number one overall. So the whole experience uh, leading up to the draft uh, was all new for me, especially a kid that played soccer. Uh, and decided one day wanted to play hockey, and then fast forward like six years, and I'm the number one pick. So uh, it was it was it was quick but fun, enjoyable, and it was enjoyable for everyone that was along the ride with me. I think you made the right decision changing sports there. That worked out pretty well for you. <laughs> Um, so sticking with uh, those early years in Florida, though, I mean, you know, you're in the league a couple of years. You go to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, just kind of describe like those those early years in Florida, and I mean, just like obviously it's it's an expansion team, but it really started to hit. People started to show up to the barn. Rats are raining down. If you can just touch on kind of your memories from that run. Well, it was unbelievable, you know, for me being in my rookie year and 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 experiencing the Stanley Cup Finals. But I I think hockey, we all know Florida as you know not a hockey hotbed, so. Having the success that year really put us, you know, on the map with, you know, with everything that comes along with, with winning. The minor hockey gets better. I uh, start putting up a few rinks around town. So it was kind of the cream of the crop as far as the sports team in South Florida. So, um, but it was, it was a different feeling, you know. I, I think, you know, coming from Windsor, going to Florida, uh, you know, the climate you're playing in Florida, you're playing in the NHL, the best league in the world. And, you know, but things happened so, so quick that year for me, you know, it was, it was the first 11 games of my career I missed due to a last preseason fight with Brendan Shanahan. So I watched the first 11 games. And then when I came back, uh, we didn't lose a game for 10, 11 games. And those were the days where every five games you get that, you know, player bonus. You know, your power play is operating at a, at a certain percentage, your PK. So the story of it is, 
is every five games we'd get an envelope in the locker with a couple grand cash, and I'm thinking this is the best thing ever. You don't have to go to the ATM machine or anything. So, uh, But it was a great year, and you look at the makeup of that team, uh, you know, the expansion team, a lot of players that weren't star players. We had a star player in Van Beesbrook and just came together at the right time. So uh, do you remember well then that Brendan Shanahan fight? What, what what made you go with one of the legends of the game? Well, you know, I think, you know, at that point you're you're coming and you're a bigger guy. And I, and I think we just, I remember it, uh, it was right behind uh, our net and just kind of happened and throwing punches. And I think it was the last punch that I threw that ended up coming on top of, I believe, his, his head or his helmet that broke my index metacarpal. So uh, it wasn't fun, but uh, it gave me a chance to really kind of, for the first you know month of the season, kind of get acclimated to the NHL life, but not playing, but still being around everyone. So um, he's a tough cookie, though. <laughs> a guy that can score, that can fight. I remember those days. Dual threat, man, much like yourself. Uh, you, you get traded to Vancouver in the Pavel Bure deal, uh, obviously your first trade. Did you know it was coming? I mean, how did that all go down? Well, I didn't know it was coming, um, but I was, you know, one, you know, one area when the team was struggling here in Florida, uh, the one name that was a constant always coming up was my name. And I just, I just thought being the number one pick, um, you know, a few years back there, it's just not going to happen. Uh, when I was playing in Vancouver, um, actually as a visitor um, uh, for Florida, I came out to watch the, the Canucks practice, and Gar Snow skated by me, and he's like, hey, Jovo, what number do you want? <laughs> so I kind of looked at him, and I'm like, and sure enough, that January, the trade happened. So, um, you know, talking to Berkey kind of down the road, uh, he said the trade wasn't going to happen if I wasn't involved in it, so... Uh, finally, Brian Murray, you know, pulled the trigger, and I was off to to uh, Vancouver, getting a call at about dinner time. My daughter was six months old. Uh, the next morning at six in the morning, uh, jumped on a flight, met Vancouver and Dallas, played Dallas, Nashville back to back, and played about twenty nine minutes. Iron Mike was behind the bench, so that was my experience with Iron Mike. Wow! I uh, and then I kind of go show Gar Snow, future NHL GM, right there. He had the inside scoop on you early. <laughs> Right. You know, it's funny how things just happen so quick. I mean, you know, you literally, my you know, daughter was born in August and we're sitting there around the dinner table and, and sure enough, Brian calls me and, and within 10 hours later, you're on a flight, your life changes and you're, you're playing in a different city. So uh, it was uh, some growing up to do at an early age, but it, it all worked out for me. I want to jump into your career with the Canucks and like in particular your playoff performance because of uh, I was right in that age of the, the West Coast Express like I was watching you guys growing up I, I lived and died by a Canuck win or a loss and you took your game to another level every single playoffs it was I don't know what was the mentality what was your mindset entering the playoffs where you were a stellar defenseman in the regular season and then all of a sudden you became a Norris Trophy candidate in the playoffs well, I think uh, you ask any player, I, I think you, you want to perform uh, well in the playoffs. You want to do whatever it takes to, to get your game to that next level and, and help your team win. 
I don't know. I just, just love the challenge. There, you know, the, the intensity of the game really picked up. And I felt as a leader on that team and, and you know, one of their, you know, better defensemen that it was always, you know, up to our the top players to be at top of their game and, and help the team get through it. So um, no different than, I think, today asking guys. I, I think a lot of your career sometimes is judged on kind of how you perform you know, in the in the playoffs, and I always looked at it as an unbelievable opportunity, especially, you know, in that market, playing well and and really helping your team get to that next level. One of the most infamous Canuck playoff performances uh, of memory of, of in that era, anyhow, uh, was 2002. You guys go to Detroit. You take the first two games. Obviously, Brian Burke goes on his rant about the refs and whatnot. It just became such an epic series. And then it seemed that everything that could go wrong did go wrong. What was kind of the mentality coming back from Detroit, though, up 2-0 on such an elite team? Yeah, I think going into the playoffs, I, I think it's a new season, right? So you're always looking at anything can happen. And, and, you know, going into Detroit, it wasn't a tough place to play. So having the opportunity to, you know, to steal two games out of there. And we played well. I think we deserved it. Our goaltending was good you know, those two games and we got timely goals. It's kind of what playoffs is about. But I, in my recollections, right, is the game was 0-0, that game three, um, just about the end of the second period and Nick Lidstrom scores that bomb from center. I just kind of changed, kind of doomed us. Everybody, I, I think, just, you know, we're like, oh boy, here we go. And sure enough, from there, I, I think things, just didn't get it done but um you're playing a team that's you know got a lot of power a lot of scoring and i i think it was us trying to just get to that next level of of you know facing a tough loss let's jump into the 2004 one then again and i do want to bring up another loss but this one was the the calgary flame series the famous matt cook goal you jumping up and down in the penalty box like that's burned in my memory what was the wave of emotions on that play and your season as you guys were ultimately eliminated? Like we interviewed Alex Alden. He said like one of the biggest regrets of his career was he thought that that team, that makeup of that team had a chance to win the Stanley cup. I, I think so. I mean, you look at it up and down your lineup and you feel like you're a balanced team and you have the opportunity to do it. And I, you know, and, and you know, that game, you know, laid with me in the box, having Cookie score that goal. I, I obviously went mental in the penalty box and excited that, you know, you go into that break heading into overtime and it leaves Marty Jelena score, you know, it deflates you. But, you know, I, I think as a group, you always believe that you have that opportunity. And I think in Vancouver every year, you know, we improved, we got, you know, we made strides. Uh, but if it was always something that kind of set us back and we couldn't get it done, but you're right. And Aldi was right. I, I, I think when you look at, you know, the team on paper, I think we had opportunities to, you know, possibly do better than we did, but you know, that's pro sports and that's how things unfolded for us there. Coming down to the, uh, the end of your tenure with the Canucks, there came that big off season where a choice had to be made. And it was either the Naslin camp, do we put big money down on Marcus, or do we spend it on Jovo? I was of the Jovo camp. I was the biggest fan ever. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they 
put Marcus down for big money. Uh, you end up uh, moving over to a, a, a market that's obviously not as big a hockey hotbed. Was that more of an incentive for you to kind of get out of the eye of the media constantly and just go somewhere where you could kind of relax and just focus on your game? Not really. Listen, I, I love Vancouver and I, I, I wanted to stay. It just, I, I felt that at, at that moment, it was, you know, Dave Nonis had decisions to make and, and they felt that the market was such that where they weren't going to, you know, come up, but I think with, you know, fair market contract at the time. And, but, you know, I was leaving, you know, a market where you're on your toes each and every day um, to a market where you're, you know, you got two, three media people at, you know, practicing at a game. So uh, it was different. It wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with kind of a lesser, you know, hockey market. I really missed Vancouver. And, and sometimes when you're not playing in, in a traditional hockey market, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, things, you know, I think the media and hockey hotbeds, you know, keeps you accountable a lot of the times where, you know, they'll point out if a guy is struggling, where I think you go in, in different markets, you, you know, they're not going to have reporters of the media kind of down your throat every day asking you kind of what's going on. So I miss that. I always liked the pressure of performing and, and playing well. Um, it was a numbers thing where I think, you know, as I experienced free agency and, you know, Phoenix at the time, if you look at the group, uh, I felt that it had a team that can, you know, actually win. So that was the decision there. Well, now you're down with, uh, you just some work with the Florida Panthers. And is that kind of, there's another market that's a little bit quiet. Do you think there are certain guys in the NHL who do enjoy the quiet markets and, and avoid the spot? Like the, there has to be some players in the NHL who are like, I'm never playing for a Canadian team. I don't want that, that insane spotlight because there are a lot of diehard fans and diehard media and the pressure must be intense. Like you said, you're, you're a guy who embraced it. There's a lot of guys who do, but there must be some guys who just kind of, quietly like Sergei Bobrovsky pops to mind right now he's down in Florida on this mega deal having a bit of a rough start to the season but there's not that much attention on him because it's Florida no you're right and I think there's I'm, I'm sure there's players that you know like kind of being left alone and and not you know on a daily basis uh standing in front of a media scrum answering questions on you know what's going on um you know, I think Florida has evolved a little bit on that where, you know, they, they did pay, you know, Bob big money. So, and things haven't gone as smooth as probably he thought. So, you know, the tougher questions are being asked of them. But I think you look around the league, um, there's, there's got to be guys that, and, and I, I feel like the guys that come to these markets where they're not so, you know, hockey crazy, they, they've spent some time in a hockey market and faced it. And then they're like, okay, you know, if I have an opportunity to go somewhere else, they probably just don't want to deal with it. But I, I think overall you got two sets, two makeup of, of players that, you know, enjoy it. And some just want to be left alone, go out there and play and play hard. Now, speaking of spotlight here, the biggest spotlight in all of hockey, I mean, mind you, we'll see what happens in the next few years here if they decide to go or not, but come Olympic time, Back in the day, anyhow, it was all about Canada and every single person, every single TV across the country was set on you guys in Salt Lake City in 2002. Uh, now, you got the assist on the game-winning goal 
uh, to clinch that gold. Yeah, Joey Sackick, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, now, what's what's going through your mind? I mean, you know, obviously you you've been on every stage here, Stanley Cup final, everything, but this gold medal game, um, you know, there just must there's got to be so much pressure, so much intensity. How did you find a way to kind of harness that and you know play in the moment and not get lost in all the spotlight? Well, it was kind of it was it was a situation you know for me where I didn't play the first game at the Olympics. I remember Berkey called me and said, "Listen, Joe, we'll say all the right you know right things. It's you know you look at the lineup there and you know, but you're gonna you're gonna get your opportunity when you get that opportunity. Just go out there and and play your heart out and give them that opportunity to to continue playing you. So, you know, for me, just being in my early 20s, having the opportunity to, to be selected on that team was was crazy. And in my wildest dreams, I never thought it would be, you know, playing in the Olympics and and, and winning the game. So, uh, but the whole experience was uh, was unbelievable for, for, for us, just the whole Olympic village. Um, you know, it's been a while, uh, you know, for Canada, kind of at the Olympics. And, and it was just, it's tough to explain. It was just kind of that, that moment that you'll cherish, you know, for, for the rest of your life. And, you know, my kids that, you know, my son's 13 now, he's starting to ask questions kind of all about those things. So um, having the opportunity and being one of those guys uh, was something definitely I'm never uh, going to forget. And for me, that was my first, you know, experience of, of, you know, I won the world juniors, um, you know, went to the finals, but didn't win. So having this opportunity and, and closing the deal with this, with this group and what makes it even more special, it was a group that kind of came together in a few week period. And that's always tough to do when teams not practicing together, playing together, just kind of show up, and a little bit of a tough start. I remember Gretz took the brunt for everything and calmed the whole country down. But um, it was just an unbelievable experience. The whole the whole uh, venue, whole experience was great. Yeah. Now, I mean, we we listed it right off the top. An unbelievable hockey resume. Your hockey LinkedIn is very strong. Uh, but looking back, when you think of my hockey career, what is the biggest? And best memory that stands out for you, the biggest accomplishment. Well, uh, you know, as far as winning, you know, I, I, you know, you look at the Olympics. I think you look at that team, and, and to be a part of that group was was pretty special. Um, but I think just the opportunity to, you know, play in the NHL, it's given me everything that I wanted in life. Uh, it's given us, uh, you know, to play at the highest stage. At the best level, uh, we're all paid handsomely. Um, I think being drafted, you know, number one overall, and and winning at the at, um, at the Olympics was a pretty special moment in my career. Now, I remember final question for you here. I remember early on in your Florida days, you had like a tight, gelled, short hair going on under the bucket, and then you come to Vancouver and you've got this amazing. Sean Michaels esque flow going on. What you know, if if you could go back and change it up one way or the other, what's the best way to go? You have the sweet flow. I mean, obviously a little bit more sweat, maybe a little uncomfortable that way. But I mean, obviously the the fans, everyone's digging it. Well, what's what's the way to go for for a young player it, coming up? I think up? it all depends. I think it all it all depends. If you got that fine hair where you can kind of let it flow, 
I, I think it's the difference. You know, I had I had the thicker hair, almost a Brillo pad, kind of longer <laughs> hair. So it was always, you know, kind of dried. And when it would dry it up, it would kind of look funny. But in the helmet, when it's wet, kind of a little bit of flow coming out. It's always nice. But you look at the NHL today; it's a lot of a lot of trim, proper, clean cut. Um, I don't know which direction I would go. I've been I've had short hair for so long that I'm just used to it now. It's easy. Yeah, and and you're you're residing down in Florida. I mean, you probably don't want to have a long flow going down there. No, you know what? I, I think when your hair starts turning a little bit gray, you try to keep it short as you can, uh, short as, <laughs> as you can at all times. So, uh, yeah, I think now having the gig, doing uh, some TV work for Florida, uh, being clean cut is is the way to go. But yeah, I listen to his own and. But there's some good there's some good buckets in the league for sure. Yeah, buddy, I'd take grays. My hair is turning clear here, so this isn't good. Uh, well, I I truly appreciate you taking the time, Ed. Thank you so much, man. An absolute Canuck legend. We're fans for life up here, and uh, thank you again, and all the best and everything you do, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Thanks, man. There you have it, number fifty five himself, a warrior on the blue line, Jovo Cop. Still got it. I mean. Clearly, this is not his first rodeo, not his first interview, but, I mean, a, a job well done, sir. There's some polish there. You can tell that he's been working some TV work for the Florida Panthers, doing a great job down south. And, yeah, he brought some good stories. It was really entertaining all the way through. Like, I mean, when you start your career with the Stanley Cup run and yeah. then, you know, end it with even yeah. more milestones, it was really impressive. And his time with the Canucks, like, I, it was interesting, his mindset of how he was such a playoff performer. I mean, that Minnesota Wild, when they got knocked out by the Wild, uh, that was 2003, they, he scored seven goals in 14 games as a defenseman. That is ridiculous. That, that, should, not, like, that should not happen. Yeah, the Canucks, and, and mind you, the game has changed a little bit now, but they kind of had mastered that, uh, that play when there was still kind of the two-line pass. You'd find like, these old-school defensemen that could just quarterback it from blue line to blue line, just like a hair inside the blue line to masterfully put it like tape to tape and send on the breakaways. Jovo was that quarterback. He could sling it for you. He could do the Hail Mary. Uh, the guy could knock a can off a fence with his pass. Like He was amazing. And uh, yeah, on, I mean, on, on, on both sides. He, he could put the puck in the net. He could hit your tape to tape, and he could drop him and... We, we didn't get into, like, the Adam Deadmarsh, but, man, could he chuck him. Yeah, I wanted to kind of avoid that it's one. It's probably but, for the best. Remember yes. when you ended a man's career? <laughs> well, the, yeah, no, there is. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. he, he was a hell of a scrapper. The one thing that I did forget, I had heard before, but I totally forgot until he brought it up, that he didn't start playing hockey until he was 11. Yeah. Which that, and, then to, <laughs> and then he was the first overall pick seven years later in the NHL draft. That is ridiculous. That Again, that should not happen. But yeah. good for Jovo. He was a beauty. Uh, we are going to look back at his career and another former Canuck, actually a Jovo teammate of his. Brad May is coming up in just a few minutes on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. We now return to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. Gets it to me, and over the line, he's made going in. Oh! 
Welcome back to Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650, powered by Pastime Sports and Games, the new location in Metro Town. Tons of awesome sports memorabilia, sports cards. They got it all. It was an awesome interview with Ed Jovanovsky, and I have a feeling that if anybody, any former Canuck, any former player were to ever top Jovo's interview there, it might be Mayday Brad May. He is moments away. I'm so excited about this. Now, uh, Jovo is one of the elite when it comes to NHL players. You know, the guys that always have the the best clips that kind of can go off on a tangent, you know, tell the best stories, they're the guys that were the grinders, the sandpaper fellas. So I'm stoked on this one. It is going to be fantastic, and I have a feeling we're going to go long. So let's get right into it. We are going to bring in Brad May. Yet another Canuck fan favorite joining Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Our next guest, not afraid to drop the mitts during his NHL career. Over 1,000 games played, over 2,000 penalty minutes. Something only 27 other players have done in NHL history. Before breaking into the league, he won World Junior Gold with Canada in 91, followed by a successful run with the Sabres before making his way to the Canucks. For the first of two stints with Vancouver, after his time with Vancouver, he'd win a Stanley Cup in 2007 with the Ducks before wrapping his career with the Red Wings and Maple Leafs. But perhaps his most uh, impressive accomplishment, the guy can belt a tune as we learn firsthand in Nashville. Welcome to the show, May Day, Brad May. Yes. <laughs> hey guys, how are you? Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. It's uh, it's an honor because you left quite the impression on us. Uh, we were early 20-somethings wearing green spandex suits running around North America. And in 2011 in Nashville, we got a chance to hang out with you a little bit and it was awesome. The Canucks victorious over Nashville, and then we ran into you at a bar called Tootsie's, and you stole the show, probably, what, 500 people there, and by the end of the night, you had the band, you took over the band, essentially, and it was awesome. You were singing, uh, Nashville's amazing, is it not? Uh, Nashville is one of my favorite places, no doubt about it. Um, you know what, you know what's really fun is, is where hockey's gone, obviously, um, being a Canadian sport, um, Canadian, Canada's game, we, we understand that from yesterday, too, with the World Juniors. Congrats to all those young players that, that won a gold medal. But, um, yeah, I mean, the game's expanded down to these southern, southern cities and southern states, and um, it's thriving in Nashville or in Tennessee and Nashville, and uh, tons of fun. I'll tell you one thing. Tootsie's one of my favorite places. I cannot sing, but when you're actually up there with all those unbelievable artists and um, – these people, like nondescript, you have no idea. Um, everybody um, can play an instrument or sing in Nashville, and um, it's one of the funnest places to go. I definitely um, urge every every hockey fan, every Canuck fan, that um, if you want to go on a road trip to catch your team, I'd go to Nashville before I'd go to Las Vegas. I'd go to Nashville before I went to New York City. Um, obviously, they're all great places, but Nashville, you're guaranteed to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Tootsie's at the forefront there. I mean, that was something something else, nothing we've ever hey, seen before. I, hey, I, I, I buckled down in that one. There's a there's a booth right to the left when you walk in on the on the street level. And um, I think I reserved it for about 18 hours. And uh, I was in there and I had general managers <laughs> from a number of teams and scouts and players and people that, you know, just fans. But I, I literally, I sat there for for quite quite some time and and i had these guys coming and going and i think i sat with the guys from hockey night in canada um glenn healy being one of them three separate times because you know in nashville you go from one bar to the next and you just kind of make it's, it's like a rolling rally um i never moved and um it seemed everybody came back to tootsies uh, it's um it's a landmark for sure so that game 
was when Glenn Healy decided to call us out on air. And then after that game, you and Jim Houston, we told you about that. And you said, come with us. And you brought us over to Glenn Healy. And he goes, hey, Glenn, this is the green man you just ripped apart on national television. And he just was squirming. It was awesome. So thank you for well, that the opportunity. Only, the, the only problem, that, or I say problem, the only, the only controversy there is when, when, when I think of the green men, like, like everybody else in BC and across the country, like we know all of the green men. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you guys didn't leave anything, you know, to to the imagination. It's all out there in front of you, right on the glass. Nobody needs to see that much of stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. But so you know that I, I don't, I don't care about that. But I'll tell you one thing. What a fun time! Um, you guys were were synonymous with the great Vancouver Canucks team that they were um, that season and the run they had. And um, I'm sure people wanted to see you guys as much as they wanted to see the players at times. Uh, that's high compliments. Thank you very much, Brad. It means a lot to us. The That night concluded with the Tootsies crowd yelling, Mayday, Mayday. Is that a regular occurrence in your life? You know what? It's always fun when it does happen. Um, somewhat narcissistic, obviously, um, especially when I'm talking about it. But um, no, you know what? It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's a moment in time. People do remember it. Um, it's, it's, st- it's stood 25 years or more now. And, um, Definitely, I'm very, very honored and flattered that, that I have a nickname that kind of takes you back to a specific moment. But, um, yeah, when I'm having a ton of fun, which I love to do, I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to fun. Um, when it's respectful and, and, and when people can get aboard and have fun with it, um, it's always a great time. Yeah, ab- absolutely, man. And, I mean, we, we, we thought you were legends to begin with from your time with the Canucks, but... I mean, that just took you to a whole other stratosphere, that Nashville trip. That was something special. Uh, but let's, let's, go back to the, let's go back to the beginning, and we'll get to that goal momentarily, of course. Uh, you know, obviously a, a defining goal and something that really got the nickname pumping. But uh, back to the start, you're drafted by the Sabres. Your first season, you're 19. You're playing with McGilney, Howard Chuck, LaFontaine, Andrew Chuck. How do you keep your head on straight uh, when you walk into that room? Like, how do you, how do you not get overly intimidated? Well, I can tell you, um, I was intimidated for sure for the first, I don't even know what, I don't know what the time or what the day or the moment was, but where you actually felt part of it, where you, you really did belong. Um, you fought very hard to, to stay and to be part of, you know, a team. Everybody did at that time. There was only 21 NHL teams. If I'm not, I may be wrong on the number, but I think it's 21. Um, when, when you're back in the Adams division and you got the Smythe and, um, where you guys were, but I'll tell you what, the Adams division was a tough fought division. Montreal Canadiens, Boston Bruins, the original six teams, you had Buffalo that hadn't won a series in um, many years. I'm playing with future Hall of Famers, and I can tell you this, playing with, you, you don't become a Hall of Famer unless you, you, first of all, you have to be a great hockey player, you have to put up a body of work over the course of your career that is better than everyone else. Um, but you know what? You have to have the character to actually drive you through it. And um, Pat LaFontaine, Dale Howarchuk, God bless him. He's fighting for his life right now um, with stomach cancer. He just had a successful sur- surgery yesterday. Dale, so I hope everybody can put him in your prayers. But um, Andrew Chuck, I played with Hasek and Grant Fear. All these guys, when I was a young guy, I got to learn and marinate um, with them and um, learn lessons stories that they told and i guess if you know if, if you're a good student and you listen and um and, and you're aware which i 
I hope to say I was. I played 19, 20 years myself. Um, I learned so much from all those great players. So to become a Hall of Famer, you have to have a Hall of Fame personality. And, and um, it's not just on the ice. It's, it's everything else probably that makes them those guys and, and that type of player. So I was very fortunate to step in the NHL with, with some wonderful people and wonderful coaches. Everyone here in Vancouver keeping Dale Howarchuk in their thoughts. It's it's great to hear that the surgery was successful. I know I knew it was coming up. Uh, let's jump into your second season and the the nickname goal, the Mayday goal, because you guys in the playoffs against a very heavily favored Bruins team, and you score arguably one of the bigger goals of your career. Is that one of your better hockey memories? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Now, I I would I would honestly say, and this is not, it almost will come across somewhat. Um, not fake. I don't mean it like that, but I think people can understand winning as a team and being able to stand and, you know, hoist the Stanley cup to hoist actually when I say hoist, but uh, to win the world junior gold medal, which we all watched yesterday um, or t- two days ago when, when team Canada uh, won the gold medal, those are the biggest moments. Those are my favorites. There's no doubt about it because you did it with others and you can share it with others. Um, but, as an individual, of course you did it as a team to win an NHL playoff series or whatever at all my teammates. But, um, my nickname is cause I scored a goal in overtime. I'm, I'm honored. It was awesome. It's a moment in time. Alexander McGillney scored 76 goals that year. I think he had seven or eight in the playoffs, the first round that, you know, that we were playing. I scored that one goal. I think I had about 15 others, but I, had, I scored that goal. And that's the one people talk about. That's the one people remember. Um, for over 25 years later, and um, it was a moment in time tied together with one of the greatest, um, if not, you know, for me anyways, if not the greatest play-by-play man um, in, in Rick Jenneret. Uh, Buffalo loves him. He's a legend. And um, one of the, he, he went into the Hall of Fame a few years ago, and that, that was the call that they played. So um, pretty, pretty fun. And it gave me a nickname. It gave my nephew, my son, um, probably every other May out there, um, a nickname made it. <laughs> nice. And, and I'm so happy you mentioned Rick Jenneret because he's one of my favorites, one of everybody's favorites, but one of my top calls of all time. And I love going to like YouTube and just watching the old scraps and stuff. And, um, you know, you type in snow shields on YouTube and hopefully you know where I'm going with this one. Uh, one of my favorite moments of all time is just an absolute line brawl. It's the Sabres and the Flyers, and you square off with Dan Kordick, who is a big beast of a man, 6'6", 225. You use the old-school pant-leg takedown, and then Garth Snow and Steve Shields square off, and the place is just going nuts. Rick Jenneret's losing his mind upstairs. Uh, what's it like to be in the middle of an all-out brawl like that? Because you never see him anymore. Well, I can tell you, um, so that one, in, in specifically, if, if, if I'm right, was in the playoffs against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. It was in the second round of the playoffs. And the only reason, and here's the deal, it might have saved me because uh, Dan Cork was a, was a big guy. Um, I think there was, um, Lacroix La- La- was on our, um, I'm just trying to think of the other guys. But we had had, we had, had three line brawls um, against the Philadelphia Flyers in, in a matter of a year. And it was exciting. It was amazing. I had, I had some great running mates, Matthew Barnaby, Rob Ray, um, and others, but it was so awesome. I'll tell you what, for people out there that sure concussions, and by the way, 100%, concussions are real, they're serious, and every sport is trying to make um, changes to keep the players 
you know, healthy, keep them safer, certainly saves the ownership money, but also the well-being of, of, of our athletes, no doubt. But fighting kept the game safe. It's, it, it would be a safer game today if, if fighting was allowed and they let the players police themselves. I believe that. I might be wrong, but I'll tell you a stat. Um, a couple years ago, less than 3% of concussions documented were a result from a fight. That means 97% plus, um, or, or right around that number, of concussions were not a result of a fight. I'll tell you what, concussions, and the number has gone up when they said no more fights, and that, that's because guys can run around a little bit you know, more liberally and, um, and, and take advantage of vulnerable players. Um, I believe it. I may be wrong. I know the game has changed. I probably am a hypocrite. Because if my son was playing in the NHL or playing junior hockey today, I'd want to keep him safe and watch him be safe and, and, and not be in that spot where I sit back and, and you know, wondering if, in fact, my son could get hurt. Um, these young men, they're doing everything they can, but I think fighting's awesome. I really do. I, I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's the only thing I miss about being an NHL hockey player because I can still skate, shoot, and hit, but I'm not allowed to punch somebody in the face. 100%. I mean it, truly. That's a great answer. And hey, we were, Sully and I, I'll speak for Sully too. We were big fans of the fights because that just meant more guys in the penalty box for us to antagonize. And getting fire, uh, <laughs> fighters fired up was, was the best part. Uh, all right, let, let's jump. You, that was the Sabres stuff, but I want to get into the Canucks stuff because that's where you yeah. guys had a, a big impact on my childhood and Sully's childhood. So you joined the Canucks in what we dubbed the dark years of Vancouver, the Iron Mike, the Mike Keenan years. But you did get a chance to play with some superstars and, and Alex McGillney and Pavel Bure. What were those guys like? Well, so first of all, Pavel Bure, what a, what a player, Hall of Famer. Um, when I got traded there, I was on in Pavel's line for 27 or 30 games, whatever it was. My first year, I played with him and Mark Messier. Um, it was unreal, great experience. And then Pavel didn't come back to training camp. Um, he ended up being traded the following season. Yeah, I agree with you. They were the dark years. And for you guys, you dubbed them the Mike Keenan years. But I loved Mike Keenan. I I would go to go to the end of the end of the wall or um, the rail for for Mike Keenan. Um, he was great to me. Now I do recognize that there were players that that um, Mike you know called you know took advantage of and maybe um, got got in their head. But as athletes, there's a lot of guys and and more than you'd think that absolutely love Mike Keenan. With that being said. Um, just coming to Vancouver, what a beautiful city, on the ocean, mountains, west coast. Um, I was drafted in Vancouver when they had the draft in 1990. I always said that I wanted to live in, in that city, in that province, and I was able to twice, and I probably will move back once again in the future. Um, I was there last month. I'm coming this month to an unbelievable tournament you know, run by the, by the, by the Canucks. Um, love the place. People there... And, and of course, the people probably listening, or some of them, anyways. And you, you guys are, and, and your friends, um, great fans. You make you make it a great community. Um, I love Vancouver. Um, it is my favorite place in North America, all day long. Only reason why I live in Scottsdale, Arizona today, is because it's sun, sunny and beautiful, probably eleven months of the year. Yeah. And uh, I love the sunshine. That's the only reason why I'm down there. I love playing golf. I'm retired now, and um, I don't know. I say retired. I'm in a transition, but um, that's why I'm not living in BC. Yeah. Other than that, um, I'd be back in BC 
You're living the dream, man. Yeah, it's well, right now it's currently pouring rain, which is shocking because it never happens in Vancouver. So, uh, so yeah, I, I would take some sun right about now. Sun in 18 holes, no problem. Uh, but, uh, well, why don't we move off of uh, Mike Keenan a little bit and yeah. uh, and the Burray McGillney questions? And we're going to touch on the most infamous night, I would say, in Canuck history uh, that, that you played a, a pretty good role in for, for better or for worse, but a, a two goal night and a couple scraps. On uh, March 8, 2004, now, this this night obviously had a huge shadow cast over it. Uh, you know, the, the Todd Bertuzzi punch. Uh, but prior to that happening, uh, you took on Peter Worrell twice, who this guy's got seven inches on you, 40 pounds on you. What's, what's going through your head as you're squaring off with a behemoth of a man like this? I mean, obviously, there's a huge rivalry going on there. Uh, you know, the, the fighters are on the ice. This is what you're expected to do. But, I mean, did, did it get to a point when you, were, when you were going into these scraps where you just became numb to the fact that, okay, this guy's an absolute beast? Well, the first thing is your question was, what's going through my head? And the answer is hopefully not his left or his right. <laughs> um, that, that's the truth. Um, but, no, are you kidding me? First of all, um, that whole that whole. I say event, um, that, that night was regrettable, um, completely, um, regrettable for the NHL, regrettable for players, regrettable for teams. I ended up playing for the avalanche afterwards. And there was people in BC and Vancouver sending me messages, calling me a traitor two years later because I sold Vancouver out going to Colorado, you know, because of all of this. Now, if I could just set the record straight, and thank you for the question and the opportunity. Um, Todd Bertuzzi got railroaded by the National Hockey League. He got railroaded. And, 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 and in many ways, I understand perception is reality. And, you know, some people couldn't handle it. Um, obviously, there was a terrible thing that happened in the game of hockey. It was reported that way. Um, but there's not a chance in the world you, you can lay the banner of violence on one man or one player um, over the history of the game. And you know what? I stood there and I told you 10 minutes ago that I love fighting and it keeps the game safer and the policing of the game. I still believe it. But sometimes things go a little too far. Sometimes they go wrong. But on mass, it, it, it makes the game safer. On that night, it didn't. But um, my buddy Todd Bertuzzi, um, I, I, I stand with him all day long. Um, I know mistakes were made it was a definitely a mistake just the way it happened um but the actual intent to actually right or wrong or set the record straight or whatever you want to call what happened um um it, it, it completely misguided and um there was a player injured obviously steve moore um it's gone through the legal you know the legal realm and and he's you know been settled in court you know civilly so now i can talk about it it was the best game I ever played in the NHL. I scored two goals. I played five minutes and something seconds. I had three fights, not a couple. I had a few fights because I think a few is three or more. Right. I, I, and, and, and I had 51 penalty minutes. If I'm not mistaken, I'm really close. If I'm not right there with Gina Wojcik as the most penalty minutes in the game for a Vancouver Canuck. I'll tell you what, I might be an idiot, but I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of that night, and I'm proud of the fact that I was able to fight Peter Worrell, who was seven inches taller, but that didn't, I wasn't afraid of that. Um, 
when you're going to, you know, I say it's not war, guys, when I say that, but when you're going to play a game and you're playing for the Vancouver Canucks or whatever team you're playing for, um, if you ha- are in the, you know, the, the area where you're tougher than your teammates and somebody's got to step up and be and, and, and have the pride and, and, and conviction for the crest on the, on the front of your jersey, which is the case for all of us, um, it was my turn and it was, it was me and it, their guy was Peter Worrell. And it was fun. And I'll tell you what, it's a memorable night. I'm pissed off because nobody ever talks about that ex- unless I get a question, you know, on a radio show because the whole night was obviously overshadowed by one of the darker moments in the game. Um, I feel terrible for Steve Moore. I feel worse for Todd Bertuzzi. And I can tell you this, Steve Moore is perfectly fine. Two and a half weeks after he was hit, Steve Moore was in a pool, wasn't wearing a neck brace, and was having fun. And they'll tell you what, you know why I know that? Because we knew that this thing was going to go to another level of in, 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 in the courts. And by the way, no different than insurance fraud. When a guy says, I can't go to work for workman's comp, they catch him because he's roofing his house. And he's doing things, and he just doesn't want to go back to work. That was the case for Steve Moore, and I believe that. Oh, fair enough, man. And I, I, I was just laying some compliments down, too. I mean, you were saying, you know, guys don't always talk about what you did that night because it's overshadowed. And yeah, people look back at March 8th. They remember the Bertuzzi thing. But no, no, no. I remember the two-goal performance. I remember you standing over David Abisher, rubbing it in after you put in your second goal. It was a, it was an epic performance. Hey, you know what? That was a mistake. Bob Murray, who's now the GM of, of Anaheim and we won a Stanley Cup in Anaheim together, but Bob took me aside after the game and because I got a 10-minute misconduct at that moment, and he and he he laid into me. He was like, you know what, you made a huge mistake because you were playing, you were going to continue to play, and you took yourself out of the game for 10 minutes. I think I ended up with another 10 minutes later in that game as well. But um, you know what happens? There's no doubt. Emotions, are, you know, sometimes get you. Sometimes you can control those emotions. Um, there was, mom- you know, in that game, there was different mo- you know, moments where um, you felt the energy. We were down 5 nothing. We're trying to catch them. Obviously, I had this whole history or, sh- you know, short history with, with the Marcus Naslin hit. Um, there were so many distractions. Um, it's difficult to, to keep yourself within the, within the lines um, when you're so fired up. And, and every player has felt it. Um, in, that, in that case, in that night, I certainly did. And and Todd did, and he probably went you know, over the line. And you know what? When I just to clear, finish this whole conversation about Steve Moore, I'm not happy about the night. I'm not happy about the way it was or how it ended. I feel bad for both of them. I feel bad for everyone that is involved in this. I feel bad for fans that watched it. But Steve Moore is okay today, so we don't have to worry about him. And I do feel bad that, that nobody can actually be honest and tell the truth about exactly what happened and, and how they feel because of PC. And I do believe that. And I, and I think Vancouver Canucks fans deserve so much more because Todd Bertuzzi was such a great player at that time. Um, we got beat in the seventh game over time that year. Um, you never know. We could have had a chance then too. But um, you know what? Life deals you lemons, you make lemonade. And guess what? A few years later, they went to the Stanley Cup final. No, I mean... It- you hit the nail on the head. And, and you know what? Last question I'll make because we're up against the clock here. But let, let's, let's be honest here. Remembering back to that night, Johan Hedberg came out and he called Abisher down twice. If they're dropping the mitts, who's winning that battle? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Actually, I played with both of them. 
I played with Abby a couple years later. I like them both. They're both fantastic people. Um, what is Johan? Hedy's he's Hedy's a Swede. Hedy's Swedish, and David Abisher is Swiss. From, he's yeah. Swiss, right? Do you, I think I think David Abisher speaks more languages than Johan. So yeah. let's let's assume if that's true, he's smarter than Johan. But I got to give it to my teammate at that moment. You know, you you only side with your teammates. You don't you don't wish the best for the other guy. So um, I'd say Johan Hedberg. Got to go, Moose, man. All right. Well, let's wrap this up with later this month, Brad. You are participating in the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am, raising a bunch of money for a great cause. Uh, Teams entering, uh, they get a chance to draft an NHL alumni to their team. We got the Sedins. We got Todd Bertuzzi. We got Kurt McLean. And we got Brad Mays among the many people. But we need to get your 30-second sales pitch as to why a team should draft you. Well, it's... it's it's pretty simple. First of all, everybody's going to love whoever they get. Um, those are wonderful people. But if you want the best hockey player today, it's not about what you did in your NHL career. It's about what you do now. That's why you pick me. Love That's it. why I, I'm an analyst. I see the game differently from a different perspective. I'm actually in shape, which is amazing. And I like to score. No, I, guys, I'm kidding. Um, you know what? <laughs> I should be first overall because I'm a good guy and I'm a, I, I'm a lot of fun to be around. But so are everyone else, and that's why I can't wait. Can't wait to board an airplane and fly to Vancouver and see my buddies, my ex-teammates, and uh, or old teammates, and, um, of course, all the, all the participants. We're all going to have a ton of fun, and that's all that matters. And it doesn't matter if you're first or, or 20th um, at the end of the day. I promise you, the 20th team probably gets the best guy. And, um, and and the guy who's going to have the most fun. So it really doesn't matter. And let's add to that sales pitch. At the end of the day, we can say firsthand, there's nobody better on this list to crush beers with than one Brad May. Hey, by, and, by, and by the way, I am probably the best hockey player of that bunch. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, today, that, not, not, not in our careers, but today. I love it. Daniel and Henrik Sedin might have something to say, but I want to, we'll wait, we'll see. It's January 24th, 25th, and 26th. And when you go head-to-head with Hank, we'll, we'll see who wins. It'll be awesome. Uh, Brad, <laughs> hey, thank guys, you so much for joining us, man. It's been having, a blast. Thank you. It's all about having fun. And by the way, raising money for, for, for auti- the Autism Network. Uh, my nephew's autistic, guys. Um, it, it, it's near and dear to my heart. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. And we'll see you in Vancouver. Wow. I, I didn't want to hype that interview up too much. But Brad May just brought the heat. He did. He brought the house down. That was awesome. Uh, legend and pumping our tires too. Yeah, you love the Green Man, which is pretty cool. I think he called us fat at one point, which is interesting. Uh, well, factual, but it was <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> one, maybe for one of us. Uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. I cannot thank Brad May enough, and uh, really excited to watch him when he comes to Vancouver with the the Canucks Autism Network and uh, the the Celebrity Pro Am. I like that he he was legit. Like he, that's the fiery NHL passion I liked. Where he's like, no, I'm better than the Sedins right now. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I know you're like really nice and a guest on our show, but uh, I followed the man on Instagram. He plays in a lot of different tournaments, a lot of different alumni. I mean, you look at that NHL resume; he's got a few teams to choose from there. And uh, yeah, you know, the man could probably still snipe. I he, guarantee it. Absolutely. All right, coming up on Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650, we are going to look back at the halfway point of the NHL season and gonna give out some awards if they were to be handed out at the halfway point: the Hart Trophy, the Calder. Who you got? It's coming up right here on Sportsnet 650 on Green Men Radio, powered by Pastime Sports.
Welcome back to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Solomon on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. Welcome back to Green Men Radio right here on Sportsnet 650, the home of Vancouver hockey. You got it locked. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan, the final segment of the show. We've had a couple of great interviews in the books. A couple of former Canucks. Ed Jovanovsky, Brad May. I'm still reeling from that Brad May interview. Yeah, I mean, we knew bringing on these these couple of legends, we were going to get some good stuff out of them. But uh, it, it's really cool how, I guess, like when you're not still in the game, you can just open up. You can break into stories, you know. I mean, the guys are still playing now. They're, you know, a little media trained here and there. You got to watch what you say. But no, these guys just let loose. And when it turns into some great, great content. Well, the fact that he jumped all in on the Todd Bertuzzi, Steve Moore incident. Yeah. It's, uh, like, he was pretty candid. He was. Which I respect because everyone kind of dances around that topic. But yeah, he said what most people think. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He, I mean, he, he laid it. Obviously, he's got way more experience uh, and knowledge about that stuff than we do. So it was kind of neat in a way to hear what's going on behind the curtain. Uh, but I also love that, like, he was very proud. He's like, that's the, that's the best game of my career. Like, he put up two goals. He had two great scraps. He was a, he was an all-star that night. He was awesome. And, uh, you know, it got overshadowed by a, by a horrible event. But at the same time, give the man credit where credit's due. He put up a hell of a game. And, yeah, unfortunately, that game ended with a pretty brutal injury. This is true. So here's a great segue. It brings us to our injury report. Yes. And that's brought to you by... By a Berard Physiotherapy. Life comes at you fast. The holiday hangover may not be the only injury you're nursing this new year. I can get on board with that one. Whether it's falling off a bar stool or falling off your bike, the team at Berard Physiotherapy is ready to help keep you in action. The therapists at Berard Physio know what it feels like to get knocked down on the mat. And we also know how to get you back on your feet to kick off 2020. Located in the heart of downtown Vancouver, Berard Physiotherapy, the home of rehab you can trust. Remember, at Berard Physiotherapy, you're in the right hands. Ryan, How's your injuries? My back hurts a bit. This kid, I love baby Mac. She's getting pretty big. She's a tank. And my back hurts quite often. So, to all you, you know, folks out there who are nice and healthy, thinking about having a kid, know that your back's going to hurt. It's in the cards. Well, what guess else what? Is going on? You just pulled landscaping duty for a month. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't wait till she's like, I don't know, a dozen years from now and she listens to this. My dad loves me. <laughs> she won't support what I do. Guaranteed. She'll borrow my money, no problem. But she won't support what I do. The big injury around the NHL this week happened at the Winter Classic where Ryan Ellis was on the receiving end of a Corey Perry cheap shot just minutes into the first period. Corey Perry, his first ever outdoor game, and he decides to end it like 30 seconds into a shift. The elbow to Ryan Ellis. Ellis now on the IR with a suspected concussion. Corey Perry suspended five games uh, pretty ugly incident, and five games sounds about right. Yeah, I, I mean, even Brad May touched on it. Concussions are no laughing matter, um, and when they do happen, it just becomes kind of a just a footnote. People, oh, okay, he's concussed, but it's it's a big deal, uh, you know. And if they add up, I mean, especially for a guy like Ryan Ellis, I mean, you know, you, you don't want those things to to tally up. They're they're really rough. They really take their toll and. And all of them are different. Everybody, you know, there's always these different concussion clinics and stuff, and everybody thinks that they have, you know, they have a step on this thing, but they don't. Every single concussion is completely different. Everyone's got different symptoms, and it's it's tough stuff. So all the best to him. But what did come out of this that was great, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, 
but somebody put, uh, I would walk 500 miles to Corey Perry when he was leaving because it was the longest exit ever. It was, yeah, uncomfortably <laughs> long. And the camera distracted him the entire time, and he's probably, like, seething. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, first game. And, I mean, he didn't maliciously go out and, no, I'm going to try and take Ellis's head off, but that's the kind of player Perry is. Everyone said, like, Perry is a super dirty. Well, his last suspension was, like, seven years ago. So I'll cut him a bit yeah. of a break there. It wasn't like he was like trying to kill him. But again, you did give a guy a concussion. Uh, Brart Physiotherapy, they were crucial to you when you were going through your concussion stuff. That's how we kind of ended up partnering with them. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're great people over there, a tremendous facility as well. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's one of those things that it, it's it's really tough and you just need to have kind of a lot of patience with it. Um, you know, you can't go 100%. You can't get back doing to exactly what you were doing, whatever, before, whether it be playing sports, typing on a computer, whatever. you got to take your time with it. Uh, and they were very helpful. I mean, obviously, they've dealt with a lot of these things. Uh, so, yeah, for our ther- physiotherapy, you're definitely in the right hands. Great people there. Give them a shout. So the big thing with the five games for Corey Perry is he will miss his return to Anaheim, which is happening next week. So uh, a little yeah, a little salt in the wounds. But, hey, again, that's what you happen. Uh, you know, that's when you elbow somebody. In a winter classic in front of what, was it eighty three thousand people? Yeah, you know, people, people are going to take remorse. Yeah, I feel like the NHL kind of had to crack down more too because the winter classic is geared towards like non hockey fans. That's why it was in Dallas. Yeah, because they they got a, you know, and draw the cotton, people in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, it's the Cotton Bowl. It was awesome. I I enjoyed it. Uh, I've I've tuned out the last couple of years for the winter classic, but I was I was fully watching that one. I may or may not have been nursing a vicious New Year's Eve hangover, but that's the tradition though. Is that you like you get completely hungover, you can't move off the couch, and what do you have? The winter classic, ready to go. And I remember a few years, I think it was the one, the first one they played in Buffalo, uh, with the Penguins and the Sabres there. It ended, and I was like, ah, now I gotta change the channel. And uh. and right afterwards was like ice capades to seal. And Seal was singing live, like, just on the side of the ice. And, like, ice dancers were doing their flips and stuff. It was the greatest <laughs> afternoon of my life. <laughs> that Incredible. does sound... That sounds delightful. Yeah, <laughs> and with so that good. Seal reference, that is the injury report brought to you by Perard Physiotherapy. All right, I mentioned it before we got to that last break. It's the halfway point of the NHL season. It's been a very entertaining season so far. A lot of amazing storylines. A lot of interesting ones with some coaches being fired. And I thought we'd kind of look back and take stock of what we've experienced so far. So, Ryan, I want to throw this to you. Team-wise, oh, who, okay. who is the biggest fraud so far of the NHL season? And who is the legit team this season? Uh, well, and, and this is, you know, maybe I have a little added influence because a fellow I work with uh, over at Jack FM, Billy Nadrosny here, he loves... Loves the Nashville Predators. And there's just so much talent on that team. And I'm and I'm happy to see. I, I mean, I I like Lavi. I think he's a good coach, but they're shaking it up. And not only did they did they gas Peter Laviolette, they also got rid of the assistant coach as well. So there's no interim Former tag. Former Captain Kevin McCarthy. There it is. So yeah, so so now you, you you can take your time, you reassess. I mean, there's enough time left in the other. You can get right back into the thick of things. So yeah, for me so far, Nashville has been the most upsetting story. Uh, and for the best surprise, I'm going to keep things in the West here, and I'm going to go with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the, they, they, they started out extremely hot. They've cooled at different portions of the season so far here and there, uh, but they're still very much in the thick of things. And I got to say, I, I love the man. Tip, he's a beauty. Dave Tippett 
has transformed that franchise. He's brought it right back from the dead because there was that year they went to the playoffs and everyone's like, finally, we're living up to our potential. And then they just, they just disappeared. They were gone. They were nobody again. And everybody in Edmonton was just getting back to, you know, feeling numb all over again about this team. But now there's something to cheer about and the Oilers look like they're finally living up to the potential, which we know they have. Wow. All right. I could completely disagree with you. I think the Oilers looked like trash, but <laughs> good on you. Good on you. Uh, Connor, on. Connor McDavid's goal against the Maple Leafs yeah. the other night was Unreal. Uh, burning Morgan Riley. He owns Morgan Riley now. Like that's, that is the law. It's unwritten, but that was an, a fantastic move. But yeah, I, I think the Oilers will fade fast, especially like McDavid yeah. and Dreisaitl have to be the best Can, players in the world. You know what? I'll, I'll give honorable mention because I feel like maybe this is the way you're leaning is okay. that I would like to give uh, the Maple Leafs a nice surprise of the of the front part of the season because they were terrible to start. Clearly, they have turned a corner uh, with Sheldon Keith behind the bench, but I just haven't seen enough of a sample size yet. That's why I've left them alone. Maybe you're not going that way, but I'll give an honorable mention to the Leafs as, as a nice surprise over the past month. All right. My legit team will be the Islanders because I definitely did not have them as a playoff team, but they continue to impress. Like, not the sexiest style of play, which is why I don't think you hear about them a lot. Barry Trotz, man, he is an unbelievable coach. Third in the East, Simeon Varlamov, or Varlamov, however you say it, Thomas Grace, they've been stellar in net. Varlamov with the shutout the other night against the Avalanche. Matthew Barzell leading the way, strong two-way play, and getting a young offensive skilled player to buy into a strong defensive structure, that is very impressive. Like, he knows he could be getting more points, but that is at the risk of defensive lapses. So, uh, so much for a boring team. They do have a bit of swagger. I don't know if you saw Anthony Bouvillier shooting his shot. He texted Anna Kendrick. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And then all the comments, <laughs> Anna Kendrick. Uh, oh, sorry if uh, he hasn't replied to you, Anne, because, uh, Anna, because he's saving puppies or he's working at an orphanage. So yeah. that is my legit team. And then the frauds, <laughs> I think, is the Arizona Coyotes because the hype had never been higher after that trade for Taylor Hall. They're playing in the desert. The attention like quickly goes away. And they're just kind of struggling now. They've lost a couple starting goalies. Darcy Camper right now. Anti Rant has gone down. They're in trouble. The Canucks have to take advantage because they have a couple of games in hand. So there you go. That is my fraud team. That's fair. All right. You, let's you know, jump into sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, sorry. I was gonna say my one my one Varley comment is during the twenty ten Olympics, I went everywhere. I scraped the whole lower mainland looking for a Russia Varlamov t shirt. I went Nike store, I went Russia House, Science World. I went Arena, I went to UBC Arena. Why? Yeah, they didn't make any. So why nobody told me that? I don't know. I just I I wanted one. You know I support the Ruskies. I got Belarusian blood in me. So, I, I guess but why I him? Well, because everyone had the usuals. Everyone's walking around with an Ovechkin. Come on, get original. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I finally got to the last place. Like yeah, Nike didn't make those. Like, oh yeah. I wish I knew that three hours ago. But I respect the search. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I completely botched the uh, the no the that's path of it, the show. It, but that, you know. That was a well. T- <laughs> that was worth it. <laughs> to hear you say that Simeon Varlamov <laughs> was your boy during the 2010 Olympics. Loved him. All right, let's jump in quickly to the awards portion of it. Halfway through the season, and you have to give out the awards. Let's pretend it's the end of the year. Who would you give the Hart Trophy to, Mr. Ryan Sullivan? So now I just want to make sure that we've got this right. So this is for the the last half. We're not giving a prediction. No, this is the yeah the first half of the season. We're giving out the awards today. The season's already ended. Let's pretend right now. Okay. Well, I mean, I know that you're anti-Oilers here, but I got to go Connor Mack. How? Well, I, I threw it out there, and you're like, no, they are terrible. Yeah, exactly. They they're, are. They're not wish-wash. They're not in the playoffs. He's like a minus 15. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. You're not a minus 15. 
McDavid? All right, now I got to go pull up stats here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All, All right, right no, I, I at, the pre- at the present time, he's two under. Come okay. on. Yeah. All right. Hey, <laughs> we each are entitled to our own opinion. Okay, well, he leads the league in points. I feel like that's that's a feather in the cap, but maybe yeah. that's not what we're going for. Maybe we're going for best smile here for the Hart Trophy. You tell me. Uh, well, maybe this guy will win it then because he is... <laughs> the term man rocket is overused, and I'm stealing it from several other podcasts, but Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. I okay. mean, dealing with injuries, the avalanche, they got Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen, Gabe Landeskog, yet he's still on fire. Like, he's dominating. He's taking over games, 58 points through 40 games. He is my heart candidate. And he's got those pearly whites. It does. Did you see the TMZ clip of him? Like, that's we you know he's hitting it big. No, I, I don't I haven't seen that. So he hopped off. I don't even know where they were, but they hopped off a team bus. They were going to the, the hotel, and there are all these people waiting out there with, uh, they wanted autographs or signed jerseys, and he stopped to accommodate them. And TMZ was there. And they start asking him questions, like a TMZ, like, hey, you know, what do you think of this? Or this celebrity couple? And he just stops and he goes, I'm, I'm not famous enough for TMZ. And then he just walks into the hotel. I'm like, that is a baller move. That that just makes you famous for TMZ because it, it's, does. it was on their front page. He's enshrined for good. All right, let's jump into the rookie of the year so far. Who do you think for the Calder Trophy? Well, it's, it's tough on this one because Victor Olofsson, I'm I'm a fan. This 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 guy's going to do some great things, but he's been out, he, and he's going to be out. And like, and he had a great candidacy going, and and it's kind of a stalled effort. So with that said, uh, I'm I'm going to go with, you know, vegans eat kale, Macar. I got to do it. I got to go with the kale. Uh, yeah, the the guy's the guy's unreal. I mean, we we've seen clips of this guy every single night. I mean, just an absolute laser from the point. Uh, you know, when he finds time and space, he makes amazing things happen. And and you listen to other guys talking about him too. And they're like, everybody in this league has seen good rookies come up before. But it's just, it's like, it's like guys, it's like seeing a leprechaun out there for the first time. It's, I don't, it's a perfect reference. It really is. But like, you know, guys are just like, they're <laughs> dumbfounded. They're in awe of this guy's talent. So, uh, yeah, so, so far for me, honorable mention to Victor, but I'll go with Kale. So Kale McCarr equated to seeing a leprechaun for the first time. It's pretty good. Uh, also, I, I said, I, I can. I have the live ticker if you're people listening to this show, and it just cratered <laughs> again because you didn't mention Vancouver's own Quinn Hughes. I knew that you were going to... I know you're going to mention Quinn Hughes. I know you're going Hughes, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I could, I could sense it from this side of the table. You're going Hughes. I mean, when, when the mics are off... Even when they're on somewhat, we're, we're buddies. You know, we get along pretty well. But no. people want to hear, they, they don't want to hear us just agreeing and laughing and having a good time. They want to hear Mano versus Mano, devil's advocate over here. So I'm going Kale McCarr. All right. But Victor Olson and Kale McCarr, I will go Quinn Hughes because I think he has had to work for it the most in terms of McCarr is surrounded by a deeper cast of characters. Again, McCarr is a very talented. It, right now, it would be a coin flip between those two in my eyes. But, I mean, watching Hughes with the puck, he's just a magician with it. He has the confidence of someone, like, way older than he currently is. And I think soon enough we'll see him in an all-star game. All right, really quickly, my Vesna pick will be Connor Hellebuck. Most shots against of any goalie yet. 18 wins, three shutouts. A huge reason that Winnipeg's even in the playoff hunt. Totally, that would be my pick. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think it's a great selection. Uh, and... It kind of pains me to do this because I just said I wasn't going to jump on the Leafs wagon. I gave him honorable mention. 
But I, I'm going to slide, and I'm going to go with Freddie Anderson here. Uh, the, the guy's done some unreal things. I mean, since Sheldon Keefe took over, they rattled off 14 wins before the end of the year. They're coming into 2020 hot with a couple wins as well. It's, you know, it, it, it's hard for me not to look at the numbers on certain things. And, and Freddie Anderson, I hate it because, they're, you know, it, it was put up on the web a, a while back, a few months ago, like, oh, is this guy a Vezina candidate? And this is when the Leafs were terrible. I'm like, no, this guy's terrible. But no, he's turned the corner. The Leafs have turned the corner. And his impact is a huge reason why uh, they're doing what they're doing right now. Uh, the fact that they don't have a, a backup goalie they can trust. And that's why Anderson's got, I think, the most starts of anybody in the league. So, yeah, that's I definitely that is a solid pick. He would be my nominee in that category. And our last one, we're going to do the Norris Trophy, the best defenseman. My pick, Dougie Hamilton, nearly a point a game, a staple of that Hurricanes offense and defense, averaging 23 minutes a night quietly getting it done in Carolina. I concur. All right. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We'll have a Honda Accord here, all right? Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, yeah, this is the guy who's, you know, whose career kind of went south a little bit here and there, and, and he's finally picked up the pieces, turned things around. So uh, I support your decision. All right. Uh, final few minutes of Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. You can also track us down on iTunes and Spotify. It is also on the Sportsnet 650 website under the Green Man tag. It's been a blast of a show, a jam-packed show. Brad May, Ed Jovanovsky, Sully, any final thoughts? Well, first, I thought we were going to do the Jack Adams. Well, unfortunately, you rambled a little bit too much about <laughs> Kale McCarr and vegetable I wanted to irritate references. you a little more with Dave Tippett, but I guess we won't do that. So. Dave Tippett would have been your choice? Well, for the front half of the year. All right, well, there you go. Mine I'll be singing been a different tune, I'm sure, come April, but yeah. All right, no, my, my final thoughts. What a hell of a show. Ed Jovanovsky, fantastic. Brad May, the bar was set so high already, he surpassed it. Two unreal interviews from two absolute NHL legends. It was a blast. We will be back next Wednesday, which is January 15th, if my math is correct, 7 p.m. on Sportsnet 650. And again, you can track us down on all those social media feeds at The Green Men, at Adam Forsyth, at Sulla Vancouver. And we'll tweet out all the links to the shows on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back next week. See you then. See you.